wish I hadn't seen that, but that's all right. Welcome back to the watch list with Patty and Bill. Happy New Year, everybody. That's right. Make sure you actually click on that subscribe button. We are going. We want subscribers. Damn it. We, yeah. Uh huh. So subscribe to us and also hit us up on your social media at symbol the watchlist pod. How are you? Happy New Year. Happy New Year. I'm okay. Apparently not. You're angry. You're angry at the oh, internet. No. I'm angry at everything right this second. Yeah. Oh my god. Okay. <laughs> So, <laughs> over the holiday, over you know, New Year's Eve was very chill. Very. Totes, my goats, chill. You know, as a matter of fact, uh, we and a, and two other people watched Casablanca on New Ooh, Year's Eve. Lovely. It was. That, you know, that is a movie that doesn't get old. And And we were legitimately talking about, okay. How do you how do you remake Casablanca? And instantly you don't. And instantly that was my that was my response. But then Terry said, what about an all people of color cast for Casablanca? And so I said and having seen Casablanca a gajillion times and after we ate this beautiful meal, I was I was feeling a little nappy. So in between snores and Laura having to actually nudge me from <laughs> snoring, I was starting to think, you know, Idris Elba would make a hell of a good Rick. Hmm. And then I thought, well, Tessa Thompson could play Ilsa. And I was starting to think along those lines. So copyright 2021, the watch list pod in terms of actually figuring out this idea. But if you are going to dare to remake such a classic, and Spielberg is actually doing that with West Side Story. I don't know how you do that, but whatever. If you do that, then to actually highlight, and and, and many different peoples of color, Asian, mm-hmm. East Asian, South Asian, you know, Hispanic, Black, everything. You take Casablanca in that direction. Hmm. I thought that was okay. interesting. That'd be fun. I was just thinking like updating it to, you know, now times. And I was like, no, we don't need that. But like, uh, uh, I, I wouldn't call it a remake because it's just doing it again with the new cast, which is fine. Broadway does that all the time. They bring out the production again and they have a new cast and whatever. Well, that's a revival, but yeah. Yeah, the revival. So that's what that's the word I was not knowing. Ooh. Revival. They could do a revival of Casablanca. I love it. Yeah. An instead all of new big screen revival of yeah. Casablanca. Or Sorry. Spielberg could should be calling it a revival of West Side Story. Oh snap. I'm on it. Copyright twenty twenty one. Yeah. Nobody nobody has that but us. Exactly. Because right. so I don't anyway. need a remake of anything. I don't need remakes of nothing. I don't need a remake of Princess Bride. They're not remaking that, are they? There was money a talk, and then uh, and during that um, 
during the election when they did that live read online, the streaming live read of, of Princess Bride, they did some Q&A afterwards. And someone had asked about a remake and everybody's like, no. Although uh, I think it was Rob Reiner was like, well, if they were to do a musical, I think that would be okay. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking, well, you know, like maybe I might allow it. I might allow it. I would entertain the idea of a musical version of Princess Bride if it was on stage. I don't need a filmed version of it. A stage version, fine. Because they did a stage version of Spamalot. Yeah. You know, that was, well, that's a whole new story, though. But I'd be okay with that. Yeah. I mean, yeah. But I like Revival. Ooh, that's got yeah. that's got legs. All right. I would be okay with it. So... Welcome to 2021, everybody. We, we've got a few things we watched. Yeah. I had a uh, low-key New Year's Eve, by the way. Did you? Not Good. that you asked or anything. I, well, I was getting to it, and then I got all distracted by your brilliant <laughs> revival <laughs> statement. Excuse <laughs> yeah. me. How was your New Year's Eve, Patty? It was pretty low-key. Didn't We didn't have any people with us. Uh, it was just us. And we actually celebrated, like, rang in the countdown and everything through Animal Crossing, the video game. Because I bought a second Switch and a second copy of the game because I wanted a second island because I wanted to design a new island. And I set up Dwight as the owner of the new island. So on, so Dwight's character came to my island and they had, you know, in the little town square with all my animal island villagers... <laughs> This countdown and fireworks, and we had little glasses of, they call it sparkling juice, but we were calling it champagne, and your little character holds a glass, and then you hit the button, and it goes ding, and it raises the glass, you know. It was really cute. So are you going to let Dwight design this island? <laughs> of course not. But, but then what's zero, the point? He has zero interest in designing the island. No, 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 that's well, the not point right. Is I can't make it a, my island because I already own an island. And if I use the same one Nintendo account, I can't, my my person who ha, who's like a, a millionaire can't visit my other person that would be me at the same time to share my wealth to make the island design go faster. So Dwight is your front man on paper. Yes. While you have a second piece of illegal property. It's not illegal. Uh, I purchased the game. It's well, totally no, legal. you purchased the game. I get yeah, that it's legal. And, illegal and, I, it. and I put illegal in quotes. I'm talking <laughs> like you, you've swindled land in this I game. Did not, no, Tom and Nook you is the swindler. Tom Nook is the friggin' swindler. And you put his name on the property, which is your island. Yes. So that you could design a second island. Yes. Okay. <laughs> but we that's how we rang in the new year. And then a friend of mine did like a, a Facebook room where we joined each other for the countdown time mm-hmm. and said, happy new year. And then we both, we logged off. Uh, there were well, three of us in the room, by the way. As a matter of fact, because we left, we because we actually ended New Year's Eve early. We actually celebrated as part of the the Casablanca theme. We celebrated at seven p.m. because oh. that's when New Year's hit Morocco. Oh, that's fun. 
That's so definitely. we could all be in bed by ten o'clock. <laughs> no, we stay. We actually managed to stay up. Dwight, for once since I've known him, managed to stay awake until mm. midnight mm. when we counted down, and then he about five minutes later went to bed. Ah, <laughs> well, we ended up watching one of the things that I talked about when we got home. That I'm going to talk about when we okay. got home. So why don't you start, and then I'll then I'll go. So on New Year's Eve, we actually we picked a movie. Dwight went through Amazon Prime trying to find okay. something. And we came across a title that is free with your Prime subscription. It's called Lamageddon. <laughs> I was like, we need to watch this, thinking it could be kind of just silly fun. It was absolutely awful absolutely awful and there were there were moments where i was like we need to just turn this shit off because this is so bad that is it is so beyond low budget it is so yeah like the low budget it, it starts with the opening sequence where they had to animate it because they couldn't figure out how to do the effects to make that live action so dwight okay. started thinking so this is a cartoon and i'm watching it thinking no i think this is just an opening animated sequence to show you these llamas are on a llama planet in space. A llama planet. Clearly it's in space. Because a planet can't not be in space. And they all board these trailers. It's like that horse trailer that goes behind a car. That has wings. And is somehow engineered with rockets. <laughs> yes, yes. So the trailer itself has wings. Has wings and rockets on it so they launch into space all of these llamas have glowing red eyes because for some reason they're angry and have red eyes and one of them has yeah, hits like a i don't know some kind of comet or something and lands in a field in america i realize this field is in ohio based on license plates we see later it's in a farm field and there's a couple who are gardening, but that that land that uh, the ground where they are gardening, that dirt is so dry as fuck. How is anything growing? It's like they've never ever watered that land ever in their lives. Okay. For farmers, I'm like, what the fuck? Anyhow, the llama comes out, it kills them. We find out that they're grandparents, but these people look way too fucking young to be grandparents, let me tell you, mm -hmm. to like 20-somethings who are in college or 19-somethings, whatever. And they go to the funeral. The two kids are left at grandma and grandpa's house to get things in order because they're going to sell the property. Well, of course, as you do, you have a giant rager party. The sister invites everybody over, and there's a far too long of a scene of her calling people saying hey judy hey Sp stacy hey bob hey jose hola jose she actually says hola jose and just everything is hey 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 hi hey hey where's my money hey 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 it, for it goes on way too long <laughs> way too long and there's a guy at the party where every time we cut away and cut back to him he is wearing a new shirt through the entire fucking movie clearly okay. it's a joke yeah. Some of the some of these jokes they do feel like an inside joke and they last way too long. Way okay. too long. And it's a terrible ass movie. This llama comes through, clearly kills everybody. 
blood is like a bucket of red water thrown at them from the wrong angle for where the person was blasted by the llama's glowing red eyes. One person is very, very poorly turned into a llama from some kind of green spit. They make like baing noises as if that's a llama noise, but llamas aren't sheep. They're not from the sheep family. They're from the camelid family. So they would make camel noises and they spit. They don't ba. It's like they've never been around a llama ever. And the man who turns into a llama starts laying like plush eggs. Llamas don't lay eggs. That's not how they reproduce. But they are llamas from space. So I accepted it. It's just the most awful piece of shit ever. Don't waste your time. It it may sound slightly amusing, but it's not. It's just bad. It is very bad. I want that time back, but I will never get it back. But no, but that's why we are in the business of what <laughs> well, we're into. We're we into take the, the bullet. Why we're doing this, I took the billet, and I'm saying I want the time back. Well, you can't have it back. <laughs> I know, I can't, and I can't have it back. That's exactly what I said. Okay. So, Lamageddon, stay away. Okay. Well, all right then. Mm-hmm. So, we watched when we got home from our casablanca new year's eve we actually turned on the netflix movie death to 2020 i saw that and it's only 70 minutes and it's on netflix and i gotta tell you i laughed my ass off i thought it was a documentary at first and then i see samuel (laughs) l jackson and like okay unless he's narrating not a documentary not a documentary no, well, it's a mockumentary. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, mockumentary, not documentary. Right. It's a British mockumentary by the Black Mirror creators, Charlie Brooker and Annabelle Jones. That explains a lot. Yeah. So it's a bunch of fictional characters discussing events in the United States and in the UK during 2020. Yes. But also they take a global view because they say in the world's, you know, 2020 began with Australia being on fire. (laughs) Yes. You know, and then it ended with, you know, the presidential election. I got to tell you, I went into this not knowing what to expect. Yes. Same here. I'm watching this and I'm thinking, what the hell have I got myself into? But for 70 minutes, I actually found myself taking a very necessary breather from the actual events of 2020 and kind of looking at them through the, yeah, if it weren't so true, it would be absolutely hilarious. Maybe in 20 years, it'll be hysterical. Well, maybe the only, well, the politics part. Yes. The, the COVID part. Absolutely not. No, but you know, there comes a point where especially UK people look at us and it's through their lens mm-hmm. of how we're handling everything because mm-hmm. they've got their own nightmare with Brexit and the home, all that bullshit. Yeah. But if, you are, looking, but if you are looking for a, a way to say, fuck you to 2020, watch death to 2020. As long as you are ready to laugh at certain things that are dreadfully uncomfortable. 
Yeah. You, you know, and because obviously just because we turn the page on 2020 doesn't mean that what we were dealing with in 2020 magically went away. But it is a it is a like, wow, we did have a fucked up year. God. Dumb so, fire. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so that it, it was released um, on December the 27th in 2020. And there you go. <laughs> death, death to 2020. Nice. Well, to continue with my Armageddon type of thing going on here. There was, there's on Netflix as well. This is also on Netflix. Uh, there's a Korean series called Sweet Home. Okay. And it, it there's only one season. I forget how many episodes. But it's kind of a zombie series, except instead of people turning into zombies, they turn into monsters. And there's no like like someone gets bit and then they turn into a monster. It's just like out of nowhere, they spontaneously start to transform into a monster. We don't, they don't know how the infection spreads. It just happens. And it happens, but they kind of figure it comes from a deep, like want, a deep desire is what propels this faster. And there's one guy who seems to be resisting his infection. He's infected, but he can control a little better when he changes and not completely transform into a monster. He stays relatively human. And this group of people who live in this apartment complex, they band together their resources and they're kind of locked into their building. They can't get out. And then they see the monsters outside and realize they don't really want to get out. But they keep him locked in a separate room and they're using him to go through the building to get things out of their apartments. Because there's monsters upstairs in the building. And he can fight them a little better. And, mm. you know, if he transforms or changes or dies, it's not the end of the world for them who are not infected or who haven't changed. And it's just kind of that, that's the whole thing they learn. We learn more about this infection and where, where they started to discover it and your origins of it and experimentation on it by the, the military and whatnot. And of course, there's always the opportunists who come in and hurt everybody and try to enslave them, whatever, treat them like shit. Cause they're assholes. There's always assholes in these kind of end of the world things. Cause there's people who are out for themselves and not trying to work together. Always. Yeah. So Sweet Home on Netflix. It's a Korean uh, monster drama. Okay. It's pretty, It's really good. I watched the whole damn thing. I was oh, pretty good. engrossed. I was pretty engrossed in it. All and right. I'm a little upset that it's done. I want more. I want more. Oh, my God. <laughs> You're, there's so much more content, Patty. I, but I want more of that story. I want to see what happens to that guy. Well, I want more friggin' money heist too, but you know they got to make it first. Yeah, well, yeah, this one and it ends on a bit of a cliffhanger, like oh, what the hell, and then okay. So we also, and this is my fault. I I firmly cop to this. Mm-hmm. So on New Year's Day, you know we're hunting around, and and Laura says, "Well, we've had really good luck with Netflix lately." So I saw this thing called We Can Be Heroes. 
I saw it. I didn't watch it. How is that? And uh, so it's a mild sequel to Shark Boy and Lava Girl. And it's written and directed by Robert Rodriguez. I didn't realize it was such a kiddie movie until about, okay, two minutes in. And then we realized it was a real kids movie, Mm. but we stuck with it. Okay. Because because kids movies can be fun. And you know what? This one is fun. If so, we have a we have a a nephew whose name is Logan. Shout out to Logan. What's up, Logan? Hi, he's, Logan. He's seven years old. Oh, cute. And he's awesome. And he is just at that age where this kind of movie would be spectacular. So it, it's a movie that stars actually Pedro Pascal, Christian Slater, Priyanka Chopra, Jonas. Oh wow! And if you, and a few other people. I mean, big name people. Yeah. And it's about the children of superheroes who are left to save the world when aliens invade <gasps> and kidnap the superheroes. Oh, no. So it's up to their gifted children to work together to actually save the planet. Cool. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> Laura looks at me and says, wow. Priyanka Chopper's got some major cleavage going on there for for a kids movie. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah, she's wearing some skin tight shit. Don't 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 be fooled. Um, mm. But if I were a kid, especially a, a kid like Logan's age, or maybe even just a little bit older, I'd be all about this movie. It's fun. All the kids work together, and there are kids of many races and and many abilities. Let's put it that way. Mm. And it's it's just it's a fun little romp. Okay, and what's it called it, again? It is called "We Can Be Heroes," like the David Bowie lyric. Okay, like the David Bowie lyric, at yeah. which they actually kind of sing in the movie. Oh, fun! Oh, that's fun. That's good. And and it's an hour and forty minutes. Oh, not bad. Nice. So not too not too shabby. You could do worse. Okay, so right. continuing with our Netflix role here. The other another series I watched is this is from France. It's a French series, but it, this one is dubbed into English. So if you don't feel like reading, you don't have to. Sweet Home okay. is not dubbed into English. You have to read the subtitles. Oh, okay. So Osmosis is the name of it. It's called Osmosis. It's about a brother sister team who create this uh, in quotes dating app, but it's an implant in your brain. Mm-hmm. that helps you find your soulmate. Oh. Yes. Now, the technology uh, is created by the sister. She's like the tech wizard. She created this implant, actually, to help her brother, who was in a coma, uh, to like re-trigger the n- synapses in his brain to help him get out of the coma. And somehow it amazingly worked she was she and the doctor were very shocked and the doctor who's watching over the brother was like that's a what the fuck are you doing that's terribly illegal and shit you're experimenting on your brother what the hell but when he like suddenly wakes up uh the doctor's like whoa and i guess she let it slide and she joined their company to be the doctor helping with this these test subjects. They bring in test subjects like beta testers yep. for, to see how well it works. Well, there's a lot of uh, 
ethical issues going on with this technology throughout the series and uh like the when you find your soulmate and they also have the implant it, the whole thing is that they're selling is it's a far more intimate kind of uh connection because you both have this implant and some glowy tattoo type thing on your arm that you could either turn it off or on and connect uh, psychically or I don't know, remotely <laughs> networking together with your brains kind of a thing. They show how that sort of what kind of happens and how it works. And there's some intrigue because one of these people disappears and it's really very interesting. It's kind of, I don't I was totally sucked in and I stayed up and watched every friggin' episode until like four o'clock in the morning. Oh my God. I still have a terrible week sleep cycle. Also, because I've been off all week, I feel like I don't need to go to bed because I don't have to be up at any specific time. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Well, and it was that good. That it was that good that I wanted to keep watching and learn more and find out like what's happening with these people. Okay. And that kind of thing. So it's called Osmosis. I don't know when it first hit uh, Netflix, but I feel like I've seen this, the title repeatedly for a very long time where I finally was like, all right, what's this about? Okay. Yeah. All right. So continuing on our Netflix thing. Oh. And after hearing tons about this, I started watching Bridgerton. Oh. I got to tell you, I'm fucking into it now, and yeah. I hate that. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> I fucking hate it, but I like it. Yeah. And I, I'm i trying to, because wasn't it you who said that you didn't understand why the main characters were, were white? I was more a little annoyed with it because I felt they that the whole main family, the Bridgertons, didn't have to all be white. They that yeah. they, there was no reason why they all had to be white. Um, I mean, sure, they're a family, they're related, but in the grand scheme of how they're trying to make this Regency England period show be more diverse, they could have all been different. They could. They didn't have to all be white. <sighs> it wouldn't have messed up my enjoyment of the series. Oh, certainly not. And especially saying. with the especially with the guiding hand of Shonda Rhimes. Yeah, all over. yeah. It would not have messed up my enjoyment. I would not have ever questioned why is the one brother black and the other, you know, Asian. I wouldn't give a shit. Well, no. It wouldn't make me think they're not related. Especially when the way they opened it, showing these are the brothers and they're all handsome men. And these are the beautiful sisters of Bridgerton. Because they show them all in one photo together or one painting or one whatever picture image. They show them all together. I'd be like, okay, those guys are all brothers. I accept. Yeah. Um, well, I certainly, uh, just taking it through this lens, I certainly have way less of an issue with this movie than I did with fucking Emma. Okay. Yes, I accept that too. Yeah. Yes. Emma. I'm making a face that people can't see on our podcast. Oh, yeah, Emma. Yeah. Well, that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. <laughs> it, and 
and I and I was trying to think of of your statement as I was watching this. But what I like about this, and and I and maybe I'm just taking it through my own personal lens of who I am and how I was made. Mm-hmm. I dig how the Duke is a black man, oh, and totally. Totally, yes. and and how the main daughter that you know, and I'm only two episodes in, so don't spoil it for mm-hmm. me, but. But how he is now sort of attracted to the white woman and she's attracted to him. And, you know, and they do this dance that because it's a soap opera, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, but I, I like yeah. that. Have you and, read a lot of um, like romance novels? <laughs> no. Okay. If if and if you read romance novels, which during, there is a period like uh my early 20s, I was so wrapped up in romance novels because they were so fast to read. It was something to do and they follow this formula where man reads woman for some reason one hates the other or they both hate each other. Something happens where they realize, "Oh yeah, I'm attracted to you, but I still fucking hate you." But then they like, oh, I love you so much. Oh, oh. But then something tears them apart. And oh, I long for you. I long for you. And then they get brought together and they live happily ever after. And these two are following that romance novel formula where I hate you. I hate you too. And then, oh, I'm kind of attracted to you. And then, uh, I don't know. It, it doesn't totally, it's not totally that, but that's where they're going. That's what it is. It's that romance novel formulaic shit. No, I mean, anybody who follows romance, anything, that's kind of how they all go. But I, but being a, you know, being an interpretation of an already best-selling set of novels. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. You know, they wouldn't be best-selling romance novels if they didn't follow a certain formula. formula. Hell, action movies follow a certain formula and all that other sort of stuff. So... I'm I'm okay with that. There was a scene that I really liked though where where you said like all the brothers and all the sisters were very good looking where the one brother who is best friends with the duke who just uh-huh. happens to be a black man. Yes. They were sparring in a ring. Mm-hmm. And it was because he didn't want the duke to date his sister not because he's black but because he was a rogue oh yeah you know and and i liked that it was never about you know because these people are the best of friends and this is society the queen is a black woman blah 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 so what did what did you say dwight (laughs) I just said Corona and walked away. Why the fuck are you suck? I don't know. He's got his own headset on watching something. What the fuck, man? You just ruined the whole train of thought there. You just you just <laughs> ruined a podcast. Cut. There we go. Start over. Jeez. Anyway, fucking Dwight. Yeah. For this podcast. But anyway, but I but I like that. See, when the brother was saying he didn't want that guy to date his sister it never dawned on me that it would be about race like i know that my brain never even went there because because it was just so accepted that they're equals although he's a duke so he's not quite as equal as the viscount or whatever but whatever fuck you um fuck you angry woman (laughs) 2021 anger (laughs) 
So, but yeah, I never, I never questioned that it was, it was because he just didn't like, he knew, he knew this guy's background and everything he did with women. And yes. that's why he didn't want him to date her. That's what I just accepted. That was what was going to, what it was about. And again, I, and, but I said that though, I take it through a slightly different lens though. And that's what I really liked about that scene that it, that raises nothing in that movie. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I dig that. So some to your point of why can't this family be sort of a mixed sort of family? Who knows? That goes into yeah. casting and that goes into selling it and, all, and the shit that we are not privy to. Correct. But yeah. the fact of the matter is, yeah, the Duke is actually technically above this family, mm -hmm. you know, so in status and in money and, and all of that. So. And, I, and he's way hotter than the Bridgerton brothers. I'm just going to I've got to say, bro yeah. is hot. Yeah. <laughs> I, and I, and I, and I hate saying it. Oh, I, but I am not one to shy away from saying that a man is really fucking good looking and it oh, sucks because I look like that just underneath hundreds <laughs> of pounds of fat. <laughs> but anyhow, oh, yeah. I mean, you talk about these brothers being good looking. Oh, they are nothing they compared are nothing. to they the Duke. They just away. <laughs> the, du the Duke is the shit. But anyhow, um Bridgerton on Netflix. Yeah. Yeah. Watch it. <laughs> and that's all I've got for this week. You have one more thing? I just needed to look up what else he's in. <laughs> oh, the oh, come on. Oh, I just I you know, suddenly I'm like, what is he what else has he been in? And he was in Mortal Engines, and that's the only thing of this list that I've heard of. Oh, so, well, all right. oh, he was in a History Channel, uh, Roots, Roots from the History Channel, but I didn't watch that. So, anyway, well, this is going to be his big break. I really hope it is. I really hope it is. The, just if, like, if it's not from here, I really do. Right, because Mortal Engines certainly didn't do what no, it was supposed no, to do. No, it was not particularly good. You know, if they had launched Mortal Engines right around the time that that fucking um, Hunger Games was hot, mm -hmm. then it would have worked a lot better. But people were over it at that point. And then you're launching another YA kind of thing. Fuck that. Yeah. Yeah. And that was really kind of a bad movie, too. Yeah. So anyway, so anywho. the last thing I watched was the new episode of Doctor Who, the uh, New Year's Eve special. And it, it's uh, the Revolution of the Daleks is the name of that episode. And it starts out exactly where the last episode of the last season ended, which I don't, I, you know, it's been out for since 2019. So that episode ended with these like alien bounty hunters showing up in the TARDIS and taking the doctor to a space prison. Okay. And that's exactly where it takes, where it starts off. And then the wackiness ensues. It premiered on new year's day. Yeah. So I don't want to give too many spoilers because I know um, not a lot of people have access to BBC America. And I'm not sure if this is available on any kind of streaming app. Because I don't know if there's a BBC America streaming app. 
you know what? I don't know either. And we're going to we're going to talk about that later yeah. as a tease for our next show. Yeah, well, but. our next show is going to be about the different streaming services. So, yeah, so I'm not entirely sure where you could find this uh, episode, except maybe on demand through your cable network, perhaps. I don't know yet. You know what? Actually, I do think BBC or is that the news channel? We're going to have to look that up. Yeah, yeah, we'll have to look it up. Um, but anyway, okay. um, this, uh, well, it's this has been in the preview, so everybody knows Captain Jack Harkness, a.k.a. John Barrowman, returns for this episode. And a lot of people I know don't particularly care for this new doctor, uh, Jody Whitaker's doctor. Why? Well... Uh, the writing on her season so far hasn't been up to par with the past seasons, doctors. Mm. It really hasn't. I mean, I haven't hated it, but I'm not as, I don't feel as compelled to keep watching as when um, the past writers Moffat when as when <laughs> as when Stephen you're Moffat, talking about Russell Davies, Russell Davies uh, Moffat, Stephen Moffat as when they were yeah. writing, especially Russell Davies. I really liked all of the stories he did, and then the couple of the Stephen Moffats were really good, and then it kind of like he lost his oh. fire um, towards the end of his showrunner days. I mean, now Chris Chibnall is running the show, and I like other stuff he's done. But I just, I feel like something's really weak. Like they've, because she's a female, they've kind of changed how she reacts. She's not as Doctor Who-ish, maybe. Well. Where I'm going, where, maybe. But it, but is that because a woman is not writing the character? I don't know. I That's what I, I don't know. So, and this, ep- this special, this episode, it felt a little flat. It felt a little weak to me uh, uh maybe it's because it's been so long since i've seen the captain jack harkness episodes where i felt he was more uh cartoony in the way he acted i could be completely wrong because i haven't seen his episodes in a while i haven't revisited them so i'm going to revisit them and and see if if that's just the way he's always been and it's been so removed since i last saw him I don't know. Well, well, the only time, and and believe me, I am going on years old knowledge of Captain Jack. The last time we watched Captain Jack were the last episodes of Torchwood. And he felt more serious through Torchwood. Oh, yes. It was far. And, and that was my point that Torchwood actually made him less the comic relief and, and, you know, like. Uh, you know, like that comic relief kind of character and made him, well, first of all, they made him the central character and therefore you have to expand his character. So he was much more serious. And, and the one, there was one brilliant episode where I think it was his sister who was on earth or something like that. Oh, it was just so good. Anyway. Yeah, anyway, in this episode, anyway, like, like I followed John Barrowman on social media and he is very goofy, silly, cartoony in real life. And that is kind of what I felt was his character in this. And I think with him and the three companions that she has had since she became the doctor, there are just too many people 
could be. And in some of those scenes, there's those four plus the doctor plus this other character who they're in some factory and the guy owns the factory. So there's like six people standing around talking about the Daleks and it's just too many people. They're, the the lines are just too split over everybody and it just felt like it, it would have been better if there were like three people in the room talking about it and not six. But go back in your history of Doctor Who as well. You've you've had doctors that have had yes, three companions but before. And I was also way younger when that was going on, so I didn't notice it as much, and I wasn't as yeah. maybe critical of Doctor Who. I was like, everything Doctor Who is the best, and you can't say a bad thing about it. Yeah. Now I'm like, all right, I need to face reality. That with that many people in the one space, it just it was it was too fractured across too many people. So I mean, I'm. I, I feel sad saying that I didn't really care for it, that it wasn't as no. great as I was wanting, as I want it to be, because it's fucking Doctor Who. Mm. And uh, people probably already know this. I'm not going to spoil nothing. Um, at the end, uh, the number of companions gets pared down, and they've already announced a new companion that's going to be joining the show as the new season begins, whenever that is this year. Uh, the new companion to Doctor Who, they announced it, so it's not a spoiler, is going to be John Bishop, who is a British comedian. Okay. He's been in stuff I've never seen, and he does stand-up. So, I, and I, You may be able to find some of his stand-up. I didn't look yet, but yeah. Well, Laura wanted me to give you a message to make me want to watch Doctor Who again. <laughs> well, that's not helpful, is it? You know what? Um, how far did you do any David Tennant or John Smith or Dude. Matt John Smith, Matt Smith, John oh. Smith? Have you seen I'm John sorry. Smith in things? John, <laughs> I've seen John Smith. Matt Smith. Yes. Yeah. So we watched all the way through the end of Matt Smith. Okay. And we began Peter Capaldi. Mm-hmm. We began Peter Capaldi, but because he plays grumpy old man doctor, of course, you always have this shift of personality with the doctor. Yeah. You know, part of the smoothness of the transition between Christopher Eccleston and David Tennant was because they basically had sort of the same personality, that same, oh. hey, come on, fly with me. The party is here. You might die, but hey, come with me. I'll keep you alive. Yeah, yeah. But then when you go to when when you go to Matt Smith, you have the guy who may or may not have all those answers. Yeah, and I felt Matt Smith kind of I felt like he like took a little bit from uh Tom Baker, who is my favorite of the doctors. Because Mine he too. had that he had a a little hint of a comic like goofiness to him. Mm. Is what Matt Smith had, which is which I, I like that. And that was kind of why I was like so into it. And then, yeah, Peter Capaldi starts off as grumpy old man. He he kind of chills a little later on. He does kind of mellow a smidge. And when he gets the new companion after Clara, Clara leaves, his new companion, he is more, he is less grumpy old man. Definitely. Okay. So you stick through it, you know, watch a little bit more. I think HBO has uh, Jodie Whittaker 
Well, they we'll might see. have the first season or so of hers. We have to search for it. So, yeah, uh, uh, I would say continue watching. Please continue watching and let me know if you feel as if. Well, it it's going to take a while to catch up. From there. Like goes we downhill need to... for, starting with Peter Capaldi. A lot of people feel after Matt Smith, it started to be meh. Well, yeah. Because a lot of people well, hated yeah. Clara. A lot of people hated Clara. I liked Clara. I thought she was kind of fun. And I liked the episode where she is hopping through his whole time stream helping him. That episode was really cool. If you recall, I think I might have actually seen that one. Yeah, that was that was a Matt Smith series yeah. episode. So any Hoosie. That's what I got. I got uh, the new Doctor Who. I'm I'm a little disappointed. Well, okay. Well, all right. Well then we have news. News. So Thanks to David. Shout out to David. Wow, David, you're such a help. You need to come back on the show. <laughs> David is a help. And we're actually going to get to being on this show when we wrap up the show. Uh -huh. So uh, he sent me two really big stories this week. Mm -hmm. And one of them is that a new report from Bloomberg says that both Disney Plus and HBO Max saw significant increases in subscriber numbers. Mm-hmm. Uh, because of the releases of Soul and Wonder Woman 1984. But Disney Plus was the huge breakaway winner in all that. Of course it was. So this Bloomberg report says that HBO Max saw a record. Now, this is a record for HBO Max of over half a million, like 554,000 new app subscribers for Wonder Woman 1984. Disney Plus saw 2.3 million <laughs> for soul damn okay damn but, but the but with disney you always know what you're going to get that's true always. that's true and with a pixar with soul being pixar i i knew it was going to be awesome i really did i knew yes. i was going to like it i knew it was going to be heartwarming although i do have a friend who's whose 24 year old daughter hated soul Ooh. and i need to get into all of that okay. i all right and i and I've got to find out why. But anyhow, but it doesn't surprise me because we were I was talking over with another friend of mine, Suzanne. What's up, Suzanne? Um, that with Disney Plus, you always know what you're going to get. There is no surprise with Disney. And of all the apps that are out there, I think they do theirs the best. With HBO Max, they've been playing catch up. Mm -hmm. This is truly the first time that they've had something new available. Now, also, what's interesting is that Wonder Woman 1984 also broke $100 million at the box office as well. Oh. Thanks to its worldwide release. And it actually broke records here during the pandemic of making over $16 million in movie theaters. Wow. With not every movie theater open. With not even every movie theater open, it made 16, almost 16 and a half mil. Wow. Which is significant. Yeah, yeah. That's that. Yeah. Which is absolutely significant. Wow. Now, granted, it wasn't the greatest movie in the world, sad to say. Yeah, yeah. But that probably, its box office take obviously took away from subscribing to the app. Mm-hmm. 
Whereas Disney Plus, you have kids and you don't want to round them up to go into COVID Central. So you're going to keep them all at home anyway. Was Soul released in theaters as well? Like in, nope. in the States? And therein lies the rub. No, it was not. Okay. It was only on Disney Plus. Worldwide, was it? Like in other. That I don't know. Okay. That I don't know. But the difference also in HBO Max, HBO Max is only available in. In the U.S. Yeah. In the U.S., Disney Plus has multiple international outlets. Right. Yeah. Because I was talking to some people. Uh, one of them's in Scotland. And she was trying to figure out how she could see Wonder Woman. Because um, she can't get HBO Max. And I was like, I don't know. Well, the answer to that is a VPN. But anyway, well, but you have to pay for HBO Max, and if yeah. her, if she's in England when she signs up, or Scotland, or the UK, whatever, yeah. will she be able to, even with the VPN? Don't know. Yeah, that's that's where I was like, I don't know if it's going to work. Anyway, so so anyhow, yes, there are disparities in the numbers, but it is truly changed how we consume yeah absolutely because that means almost three million people got an app to watch what would have been a theatrical release at home mm -hmm. combined between wonder woman and soul and they were willing to do that and they were willing to do and that pay for it yep because disney plus wasn't given any free week or anything right nope yeah which is also of note. They didn't give you a free trial. People were willing no. to pay for a month's worth just to see one. Just thing. to see the movie. Yeah. Well, and then have their entire, well, there, I mean, there's, had, there's a funny. Yeah. They had to take into account that now you've got a month's act worth of access to everything else on the Disney plus platform. Everything. I mean, there's this old picture going around Instagram again, you know, we had Disney Plus back in the 80s and they show a, a box of VHS tapes of all the Disney, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. all the Disney VHS tapes. And it's funny, but it's absolutely true. Yeah, really. You subscribe to Disney Plus, people like your sister have a plethora of shit to watch. Yeah. Well, I have a plethora of shit to watch, too, because I've yes. got Disney Plus for the rest of my life. Yeah. <laughs> so the second piece of news is that. There will be a Lethal Weapon 5. Oh, no, no, no. We don't need that. <laughs> no. Now, what my problem is that Mel Gibson, you know, he used to be the box office behemoth back in the day. You threw Mel Gibson's name on some shit, and it was awesome. But, you know, thanks to being a sexist, misogynist, racist, anti-Semitic asshole, I can't go watch Lethal Weapon 5. I don't want to watch Lethal Weapon 5, regardless of whether he was in it or not. And see, I would. Well, and how I old would is he now? Okay, Google. How old is Mel Gibson? 64 years old. I don't need so, to watch some 64-year-old action hero. Oh, but wait. Okay, Google, how old is Danny Glover? 
Danny Glover is 74 years old. I don't need to watch a 74-year-old action hero either. So so combined, you're actually watching almost a 140-year-old dude on the screen. I, I don't but, mean, I mean, come on. But what sucks about it is that, and, I, and I've said this on the podcast before, every now and then I go back and I look through the internet to see if Mel Gibson has actually apologized in truth and in and and in earnest for the shit that he said and the things that he's done and he hasn't so lethal weapon five can go fuck itself well yeah yeah yeah. because we don't need a fifth one well, I didn't think we need a fourth one, but they made a fourth one we too. We didn't need a third and one either. It's an either. obvious cash grab. <laughs> it's an obvious cash grab. Yeah, I'm, I mean, even if they made Lethal Weapon Five with young, young, athletic, new, handsome heroes, I wouldn't watch that anyway, because I'm against <sighs> you know this many fucking sequels and remakes and shit like. Give me a goddamn brand new story I've never seen before. Like any of these international shows that I keep being drawn to. It's a brand new story. It's something new. That hasn't been I done 800 times to death. But I don't have a problem with sequels like that. You know, the Mission Impossible movies are some of my favorite movies and they keep getting better. I disagree. I know you do, <laughs> but whatever. But I love movies like that. And because Lethal Weapon ties so much into my childhood, that instantly had appealed to me. And then as an adult, I'm like, no, fuck you. I'm not going to give you another penny of my money. So it was just interesting that, first of all, they would announce a Lethal Weapon 5. And then part of that article also said that it's going to be the last Lethal Weapon. Well, no shit. I thought Lethal Weapon 4 was the last Lethal Weapon. Because they're going to be dead. <laughs> what, a weapon in a coffin? Yeah, because they're old. That's why it's the last one. <laughs> it's called Mortal Weapon at that yeah, point. Oh, yeah. Hmm. Or you could make it sort of a zombie flick and do Immortal Weapon. Uh, no, no, we don't want any more right. of that. Anyhow, so that's the news that I've got. All right. So everybody, here here's something new that we're going to try. We want you to not only subscribe, but we want you as a guest on our show. So we want to do our best to reach 10,000 subscribers this year. 2021 is going to be our year. And so do me a favor, log on, subscribe to us wherever you listen to your podcasts. Tag us in your social media, hashtag the watch list pod. Or engage with us at symbol the watch list pod. And tell us you subscribe to our show. Tell us you want to talk movies. You're going to be a guest on our show. How's that? Yeah. How about them apps? Cool. That would be awesome. So that's it. That's what we've got. The next show is definitely going to be breaking down all of the subscription services. We're going to do it sort of in two tiers. Paid and then free. We just want to give you, we want to wrap people's minds around what's happening now. And... We, we've talked about it before. We talked about it again. You know, you pay for cable and then you're paying for subscription services. That adds up to a lot of dough. Or you cut the cord and then you pay for all these subscription services. Is it really saving you any money? 
true. So the next couple of episodes are going to be all about streaming services. So make sure you subscribe to us. Also on Apple, hit that like button. Uh, and uh, Apple has a like button, or is it review us on Apple? Like review us, you know, technology. But we God don't. Damn it, neither can... one of us have iPhones, so we don't know what you do. We <laughs> yeah. just know that the only place That's that true. we can find to review us is on Apple Podcasts, and that That's helps true. us. The more reviews we get, uh, Apple does nicer things for us. I know they do something because all of the podcasts I listen to talk about that. Yes. So please give us a nice review on Apple Podcasts. Subscribe to us. You can be on our show. You have a chance to be on our show. We would love to talk with you and engage with you because there is nothing that we love talking more about than movies and TV shows. So happy 2021. We hope you continue to be safe and healthy. Please, please continue to mask up and be safe. And we will talk to you next time. Absolutely. Okay, bye. bye.